Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. I'm ready to dive into God's Word, so before we get started, let's pray. Come on, pray with me. Jesus, I pray that you will open our hearts and speak to our hearts regarding what you want to say to us. God, you you put on my heart what I need to be sharing today, and I I feel like you, you gave me something specific to say today, but God, it's your Holy Spirit that customizes what I say for the individual lives who are here because we all are coming from different backgrounds and different situations and some are coming who are weary and beat down and others who are come just high and feeling great and and some are are broken and hurting others are just riding and happy with it with everything that's going on but the truth is we all need to hear this message today so customize it for our own ears Let the Word of God be sown in our heart that will produce fruit. Because we don't want to just be hearers of the Word and not doers also. We want to do and take action. So let it be in Jesus' name. Amen. Get your Bibles open to the book of Judges. Judges chapter number 6 is where we are right now in this series. Judges chapter 6. And we're going to look at verse number 17. Judges 6, 17. I want to talk to you about this thing right here for just a minute. This probably means absolutely nothing to you, but, but I want to I tell you the story of this huge chunk of glass. This is a really cool trophy. I'm, I'm not too much into trophies, but, but this, is a, this is a really cool trophy. Um, but I want to talk about it here for just a minute because this was given to me this past week by the owners of the Express Employment Professionals franchise in Waxahachie, and they're dear friends of mine. They're selling their business, and so they, they gave this to me, and they told me why they wanted me to have this and this particular trophy. And, uh, and so I, I, just, I didn't know what to do with it. It's like, well, I mean, this is like, I don't, I'm not an owner in this company. I, I don't know, but I, I took it, and I put it in my office, and as I was sitting there looking at it this week, I thought, no, I need to bring this up here because this parallels exactly with what I'm talking about today. God has a way of putting things together. I, w- I want to tell you the story of this trophy because you're a part of this story. Um, Back in 2008, late in the year 2008, I moved back uh, to here to the Metroplex. I've been pastoring a large church up in the Kansas City, Missouri area. And, uh, and I, had, I had chosen to take a couple of years sabbatical from pastoring. Uh, to be honest with you, I was exhausted. I was depleted. And, and, uh, and, and I came back here to just sit in a healthy ministry environment. And uh, yes, but at the same time, I, I needed work. I needed to be able to uh, feed my, my growing boys and take care of my family and, and all of that. So as soon as I came back, it was, I immediately was able to do some church consulting and speaking and preaching in various uh, friends' churches on weekends. I, I could do that, but I really needed some full-time employment. So in March of 2009, after I had been here for about four months, four or five months, I was, uh, I was contacted by a friend, and his name is Bruce. And, and, uh, and he said, I, I would really like for you and your wife to come with me to the Stars game. Well, you know, that's, that's like speaking my love language right there. <laughs> well, let me pray about it. Okay, I'm done praying. Let's go. <laughs> So while we were there at the Stars game, he just started talking to me, and he said, said, Tim, 
our family is going through a really, really, really tough time, and I've got to back away from running the, our, our business. And there's, there's a, you know, just, it was a huge tragedy situation in their family. And, and, and he said, I don't know how long we're going to be backed away, but it'll be probably at least a couple of years. And I know you're taking a couple of years sabbatical. Will you run my business? And I was like, well, tell me about your business. He says, well, it's a staffing company. It's called Express Employment Professionals, and we, we help put people to work. And he said, Did you, but you just come in and run the business. So, so I began to argue with him. I said, first of all, you don't understand. I'm a pastor. I've not, I've not run a business before. And, and, he, and he, I just said, I don't know how. He goes, well, there's training for, for you and everything, but, but really just, just come in and do what a pastor does. Just lead this business the same way you would lead a large church. And, and, and I kept arguing with him. I said, I don't think that'll work. And he says, I do think that'll work. And so I mean, here the guy is trying to give me a job, and I'm saying, no, I can't do it. Uh, you, you know, it's kind of weird. I should go, well, of course I can do that. Yes, yes. I, I didn't, but, but I just said, well, by the grace of God, okay. And, and Rebecca was like, Tim, you need some money. We're hungry. So <laughs> I, yeah, okay, okay. I'll do this. And, and he said, well, just come show up at, at the office and just, just see what you think. Just see what you think. And I got to that office. I'm like, oh, man, this is, this is, this is going to be this is gonna be tough. This is definitely out of my wheelhouse. I, I, I don't know about this. And I, and I was scared. I'll be honest with you. I was scared. It was, and it was a staffing company. And, you know, sometimes you get into something, you don't realize how crazy it actually really is until you get into it. Any of y'all have that experience? Like, yeah, come on over here and do this. Okay, I'll wait. Well, then I'm realizing, well, this is in the middle of what's, what we now know as the Great Recession. And it was in full, it was just full-blown, the Great Recession. During the Great Recession, in, during, that, during that time period, nobody was hiring so how does a company that supplies staff to all these other companies, how in the world do you survive if nobody's really hiring? And I, I discovered it very quickly. That's a problem. That's a problem. I got in there very quickly, and I realized that we, we have too many people working here. So, so, so you know, maybe some people will quit, and, and some people did. And, and, and I was like, well, you can't hire people back. I, I just like, there's no money to hire people. And so I thought, well, you know, I've been a pastor before. He told me to use my pastor skills here. So I started finding, literally, I, I swear, I found volunteers to come and work at the office. And said, hey, come on. Come on up here. You're not going to get paid for this, but you're going to have some great experience. And people went, Okay, so, so I just started, I literally would bring in volunteers to help with some of the, the, the easier things at the office, and that was, a, that, was, that was a stretch right there. Other people who were the staff and the hired employees, they were like, we've never done that before. We don't do this with volunteers. I said, we do now, because there, there, there is nothing. But what I did is, is I had to pray hard, and, and honestly, I just gave it 150%. I gave it everything, and... For six months, every single week, that business shrank. A little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Six months into this thing, that business was at the lowest point that business had ever been in the history since it had, been, since it had started, like in the early 90s. That franchise was like dying. And here I was in charge, you know, the great man of faith and power and and thinking, I don't know what's going on here. Uh, 2009 was just a, a, a terrible year for that business. It, it, again, it was the lowest grossing year that they had. The owner even had to take out a second mortgage on his house to keep the business going. Uh, so I was like, well, 
how would a pastor do this? So first of all, I, you know, whether the people were Christians or not, I just said, okay, we're, we're coming. We're, we're not going to just show up at the regular time. We're going to start showing up early for prayer. So, so th- they would come in, and since I was the boss, I was like, well, you don't have to pray, but I'm going to pray, and you're going to sit here. So we would just we'd sit in a circle, and we would pray. And so we'd start about 15 minutes early. I'd give them some encouragement. I'd read a scripture. I would give them just whatever, some leadership teaching, and we'd have a few moments of prayer for specific things. Those who were other believers, they would say, okay, you, you go ahead and pray as well and and uh man after every time of those meetings I thought that was that was kind of lame I, I I don't know what we're doing here but interestingly enough I remember clearly that when I first saw this it was in the middle of September of 2009 we began to slowly see the smallest little uptick and I didn't know if it was a glitch but it was a small uptick but it continued going and continued going and continued. And, and it was so tough. I spent two solid years just, just working nose to the grindstone. Uh, that The company had it set up where I could have PTO, pay time off. I, I didn't take any because I've got to be here. I've got to keep working this thing. So for two years, took no time off. Just, just kept doing this. And that really took us up to the place where City Life began in September of 2011, which is two years after that business slowly began an, an uptick. But it not, was not a slow uptick. It started a little slow, but then it really, really, really picked up. So by 2012, we were, start, we were opening up a Friday outreach here at City Life Church, and that was kind of the way we were building the church. We, we, just, we would uh, open it up and set this up for a kind of a lunch church meeting, and people would come around, walk in from their businesses, and they would just walk in, and we'd have lunch here, and then they would go back on their way. And, and uh, thank God I found some funding for that so we could, we could actually make it happen. And we slowly began to, to pull this off. Well, at the same time, the business continued to grow and grow and grow and grow. Now, what you, I'm sure you don't know, this is called the Circle of Excellence Gold Award for 2014. Now, what gold means in this company is you are at the top. You are at the top. Uh, And the company was at the bottom when I first came in. And I'll tell you, it was a sheer miracle because there were about 750 of these franchises across the United States. When I came and took over, we were like number 570 on the list as far as the top grossing. So we were way, way down there. By 2014, we were in the top 25. And it was awesome because you know, the, the owners would get, would get these awards. I, I didn't get them, but the owners would get these awards, and they would go to these big things, and they would be, they would be applauded, and, and they would go on. They, you know, they'd get cruises and vacations and all kinds of stuff like that, and I, was, I kept working. But that was okay with me. I mean, honestly, that was okay with me. I really didn't, I didn't care about that I was, because it wasn't my business anyway. It was theirs. And I was there to be a good steward. I was there to basically, like, occupy until the owner returned. I was there to occupy until the owner returned. There's a parallel here, what Jesus has for us. He says, I want you to occupy until I return. And uh, I tell you what, during that season, there was a lot to fear. There was a lot. And for you, maybe your world is, it's been turned upside down. Uh, but and maybe God has opened a new door, but that new door is scary, and you know, fear is always there. Fear is always out there, but you have the choice that you have to make. Am I going to be afraid, afraid? 
Well, today I'm talking about breaking that spirit of fear, even if it's a small fear right now, because I believe it's critical to advancing forward spiritually. And someone can come take this. I'm not going to throw it because it could cause major damage, all right? Yeah. But today's, I'm continuing with this brand new series called The Occupy Spirit. Occupy is our theme for 2022. And I had to occupy at Express Employment Professionals from uh, 2009 to 2014. I had to occupy. And I'm challenging you to occupy and to move forward. The theme scripture for the year is, is found in Luke 19.13, which says, Occupy till I come. Interestingly enough, that's basically what the owners of that business said. Occupy until we come back. Now, what does that mean? That means for us as believers, it means we serve. We take action. We do this until Jesus comes. God has commanded us during what this is called the church age that we're supposed to occupy. Now, to occupy doesn't mean just hold your own. Occupy doesn't mean just take up space. Occupy means this, and this is our definition. Do business and grow the investment God gave you. Work until Jesus returns. And it was funny because as I looked at that definition this week, this is a, our working definition for this series. I thought, well, that's exactly what Bruce had asked me to do with this business. Do business and grow this business. Grow the investment God's given you and work until the owner returns. That was that same, same thing. In fact, the truth is eternal rewards are there for you if you Occupy, and you will be rewarded according to the degree with which you actually grow the investment that God gave you. Here's something that's really interesting. And again, this didn't even strike me until this week, but I did this simply for a job, but I also did it to honor the owner. And I'm telling you what, God actually did it. It really wasn't me. God, God actually did this. But I found it interesting and I, I, I give thanks, really. I, I give thanks and honor to these guys who, this Bruce and Kamel who own this business because I served and I gave my time and I occupied until they returned to the business. But what I didn't expect and what I didn't know is that there was going to be this reward. And as I was departing the business, they began supporting this business by several thousand dollars every month not this business, this church, when we had nothing. They began supporting it and blessing it. You know, they've been, to, they've been in this building one time. They've been here one time. They were here for our grand opening day. And, uh, and, and they, that's it. And so what, we, what they began doing is they began pouring it. Do you realize it was just until 18 months ago when they actually suspended their giving to this ministry? I never saw that coming, but there was a reward. It wasn't for me, but it was for us. It was for this ministry. It's for this. It's for this. That's, that's how God works it. That, you, you do business until the Lord returns, and then there's a reward afterwards. So in talking about this Occupy spirit, I, I feel like there's a good individual that, that characterizes this well in the scriptures, and his name is Gideon. Now, last week I started talking about Gideon, and I just want to give you a little bit of a recap. Israel was under this huge oppression from a nation called Midian, and they were stealing their crops and their livestock. People were liber literally living in caves, hiding out from these guys. Uh, they, they would ravage the land, it said in the scripture, like, like locusts. And, and God's people, they cried out to the Lord, like, God, help us 
Why is this happening? And God sent a prophet and said, well, here's why this is happening. It's because you're worshiping idols and you've forsaken me. And, and God said, drop all that. <laughs> so, so in the midst of all this, God then went and spoke to a man by the name of Gideon. Gideon was not a prophet. Gideon was, was he was a farmer. He was just a farmer, and God visited Gideon and gave him a plan that, that, and told him that he was going to reverse this curse that was on Israel. And, and please understand, Gideon was by far the most unlikely candidate that God could have chosen when it comes to the way we, we see things. I mean, he, had, he really had nothing going for him, but God declared over him, God just said, spoke this over him, you are a man of valor, you are a mighty warrior. Well, he didn't feel that. He didn't see that. He didn't sense that. But God spoke over him this new identity. And it was basically this. He was saying, stop affiliating yourself. Stop identifying with the, the destruction around you. Stop identifying with the loss and the tragedy and the oppression. Stop identifying with your low economic status. Stop identifying with your family that has no reputation. I've got a plan for you. You're a man of valor and, and you're a mighty warrior. And God spoke that and said, this, this is you, and now you're going to go and save Israel out of Midian's hand. And for us, I think God's saying the same thing. God is saying, occupy, it means do business. <laughs> do business till I return. Occupy, mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. And I believe this is that there is more to your identity than what you see in the mirror. God sees more in you than you can see in yourself, and God is declaring over you an identity that is contrary to your secret self-talk. Now today, my message title is this. My title is Do Not Be Afraid. In fact, every title in this series comes directly out of the passages that I found here in the, in this, uh, in the book of Judges. But today's title is called Do Not Be Afraid. And, and we're gonna be looking in Judges chapter six, verse 17 here in a second. Just, just to let you know, the setting here is the same setting that I was talking about last week. God is still speaking to Gideon after declaring that he was a mighty man of valor. He was a, he was a, a mighty warrior. And he then... We pick up the story in verse six, verse 17. I want you to follow along with me. I'm going to read through it all, and then we're going to come back and look at some, some really important points in here. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat from an ephah of flour, and he made bread without yeast. Putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, he brought, it, brought them out and offered them to him, that's to the Lord, under the oak. The angel of the Lord, now when it says the angel of the Lord here, understand this is the pre-incarnate Jesus, so the angel of the Lord is there. So the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on the rock and pour out the broth. And so Gideon did so. And then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread with the tip of the staff that was in his hand and fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. And so again, that was what God was accepting the sacrifice and that's what it looked like in those days. And it says, and then the angel of the Lord disappeared. When when Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, in other words, when he realized it was God, <laughs> he exclaimed, alas, Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. So, so really understand this is, is he knew the scriptures well enough to know that if you see God face to face, you're gonna die. You're, you're, you're gonna die. You're, you, you can't see the face of God and live. It says, but the Lord said to him, peace, 
Here it is. Do not be afraid. You're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, the Lord is peace. That word peace is shalom. It says, to this day it stands in Ophrah of the Uzbirites. That same night the Lord said to him, take a second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal <laughs> and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. So the two separate idols that were there belonged to his dad. And then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took 10 of his servants as did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid, okay, that's where the fear comes in. He was afraid of his family <laughs> and of the townspeople. He is on his own. You see this? He did it at night rather than the daytime. Sometimes we do that. Uh, it's just like, okay, I don't want anyone to know what I'm doing. I'm going to kind of secretly do this. Okay, la, 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 la. I'm doing a spiritual thing. Nobody's going to know. Uh, that's what he did. But in the morning when the people of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished and the Asherah pole beside it cut down and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. And they asked each other, who did this? When they carefully investigated, they were told Gideon, the son of Joash, did it. Now, if, you're, uh, if you read the Bible a lot, there was another Joash that was king. This is not the king Joash. This is, this is a guy who was an idolater, okay? The people of the town demanded of Joash, bring out your son. He must die because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. But Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him, are you gonna plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. Okay, got a war starting here. He says, if Baal really is God, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. So, because Gideon broke down Baal's altar, they gave him, Gideon, the name Jeroboam that day, saying, let Baal contend with him. Now, this is not very exciting because he's now stepping out in his new identity Fear, as you can see, was an issue for him. And, and, and now, immediately, people are reacting harshly and negatively toward him. He, you know, he, may, he may have been thinking, people are just going to give me big hugs because I'm, I'm favored of the Lord and everybody's going to like me. Well, no, that's usually not the way it works. But the Lord said to him earlier, he says, do not be afraid. He says, the Lord is peace or Shalom. Now, now I want to talk about that for a second because verse 23, take a look back at verse 23. The Lord said to him, peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar there and called it the Lord is peace or shalom. Now that English word peace is translated from the Hebrew term shalom, which is probably one of the best known Hebrew terms. It's like one of the most noticeable Hebrew words. And, and we tend to think that shalom simply means peace. But some of you guys who know, Christine, I'm sure you know this, shalom doesn't mean just peace. It means so much more. Here, here's a good definition of shalom. This is actually from, from the root itself, from the word itself in the Hebrew language. It means peace completeness, welfare, health, success, and prosperity. So if we say that shalom, whenever you see peace in the Old Testament, it's the word shalom. If you see peace only, you think, well, that, that's, what, that's what shalom means. That's like saying Fort Worth is 
the stockyards. It's like, no, 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 there's so much more. I mean, the stockyards are great, but there's so, so, so much more. I mean, there's downtown, there's the cultural district. I mean, we got the speedway. We have the, the, we, we have the shops at Clear Fork, and we have the near south side. You have Will Rogers, you have Stop Six. Okay, now that is a bigger picture of Fort Worth. So all of that is Fort Worth. In the same way, shalom is not just peace. It is completeness and welfare and health and success and prosperity. And that is what God speaks over him. So here's a, here's a little picture of how this happened because this word shalom first had to be spoken over God's people. This started in the book of Numbers in Numbers chapter six, verse 22, as they were coming out of Egyptian slavery and they were in the wilderness and they still had these old slave attitude, uh, thought patterns and everything, these mindsets of oppression and lack and they needed to change this. God needed to somehow instill in their minds that no, they are now blessed people. In fact, I wanna read this to you from Numbers chapter six verse 22 says the Lord said to Moses tell Aaron and his sons this is how you are to bless the Israelites so this was a daily thing that was spoken over the Israelites he said say to them the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you the Lord turn his face toward you and give you shalom shalom more than just peace and, and so so they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them so God's name is put on them as he speaks shalom over them. In other words, saying, you, you, my people, you, you, you are blessed. You have this new identity. You were slaves and oppressed, but now you're free and you're blessed. In fact, we even use this same tradition here at City Life Church as part of our benediction. It's what we say. We say, you know, we, we, we say a, a different version of it, but it's the same words. It means the same thing. You'll hear it at the very end of the service. We've been doing that since the very, very, very beginning here because we speak those words of blessing. God says, I want you to have peace and completeness. I want you to have wholeness and welfare and health and success and prosperity. And he says this so that you will step into your new identity no matter what things are going on. Yet at the same time, there are some unholy things, hear me well, that may defile you and hold you back. But if you're gonna occupy, you've gotta get rid of some of those things. You know, to occupy, again, means to do business and grow the investment that God gives you until Jesus, continue, until Jesus returns, you need to work. But people are gonna even say things to try to pull you down. So here's my, my first challenge to you. Do not be afraid to part with unholy expectations of other people. They will have unholy expectations of you, and you know it. Don't bow to that, and don't be afraid to part with those unholy expectations. I challenge you. I challenge you to do that. Be a person of unshakable principles and values. Look again at verse 26. Judges 6, 26. God said, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of this height. Use the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down. Offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him. D do you see how controversial this is now? Church, there are some idols that some of you need to tear down. Some of you, you need to get rid of some worthless religious rituals and, and worthless things that are holding you back. Let God convict you because I don't know what they are. And when you feel that, like, wow, this might be it. Now, that's, that's, that's God speaking to you, not me. If it's against the purposes of God, then you know that's an idol. 
I, I, I want to say, do not be afraid to tear down some idols in your life, those idols around you. Occupy, mighty warrior. Occupy. The Lord is with you. Do not be afraid. Shalom. I want to tell you another little story from that time period when I was running that express office. It was in, it was in early 2011, and still the business was not, we weren't seeing the growth that we really desired. And, and uh, I did, during, during our time of prayer, I, I asked the team, I said, do you think there's any idolatry in our midst? I mean, I, I didn't know what I was talking about. I think one other person was a Christian. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, there might be, there might be. And so I so, said, you know, let's just pray. God, just show us if there's any idolatry around us that is holding us back. So we, we begin to pray about this. This, this. this all happened, okay? God knows. And that day, I walked out of the front door of the office, and I just looked to the right, and I had never even thought about it before. But right next door, I mean, literally right next door in this shopping center where the office was, was Ellis County Planned Parenthood. Now, I looked at that, and I thought, I think that's the idol. Now, now, hold with me real quick here. This is not a political statement. This is a Bible statement here, okay? Planned Parenthood, it elevates the God Molech. It does. Uh, any of you who doubt any of this, you go online and you research it yourself. But there was a lady who founded Planned Parenthood. Her, her name is Margaret Sanger. She was a huge fan of eugenics, which means killing people. Uh, and, and there's a quote of hers that had been denied by Planned Parenthood for years, and finally they've said, okay, so she said it, so what, so what, so what? But there, she not just said this, but she did a lot of other things. Here's her line. Listen to this. We don't want word to get out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. Through abortion, they were convincing African Americans, blacks, that their children needed to be sacrificed in order for them to have success. And, and uh, you know, some of, some of my staff was, was black in the office, and I said, did you know this? They're like, no, we had no idea. Margaret Sanger was a racist. That company, if you want to say, that company is based upon racist principles. It's racism, and it's, and it's murder of children. Now, I'm not trying to make you, you know, feel like you're evil if you've had an abortion, because God will forgive you. God, you take responsibility, and God forgives you. But I'm, I'm talking about what they do. So... Uh, I said, you know, we've got to come up with a strategy. And I, I just, I know, I know, we can pray, we can do things. And sometimes I, I just think, sometimes you can just do something. So, so I took a business card. Okay, I got this idea. I'm going to take a business card, and I'm going to walk into that office, because I've never been in there before. I'm going to take a business card, I anointed it with oil. I said, in the name of Jesus, everything, everybody who touches this, I'm going to put a deposit of the Holy Spirit into the middle of this office. So I took my business card over there. I said, hey, I'm Tim from next door, and I just want to know, if you guys ever have any staffing needs, you know, I just want to let you know we're there. Now, of course, we would never staff for them, but I just want, we are next door. Just, if you have staffing needs, we're next door. And if you call on us, I'm going to be praying for you, because that's kind of what we do. Because I'd, I'd train my staff, okay, we're going to start praying for clients. We're going to start praying, praying for, for, for the customers. And, and so I did that, and I thought, okay, that was interesting. Uh, waited a couple weeks, continued praying. So we would pray every once in a while in our early prayer meetings. And then God spoke to me and said, go over there. I felt God saying this. If it wasn't God, whatever, it was my imagination. I don't know, but I did it. Go and anoint the front door and the back door. Every person who walks in and touches that door is going to be touching the anointing oil. Now, the oil represents the Holy Spirit. It's not anything magic potion, but it represents the Holy Spirit. So 
guess when I came? Under the cover of dark. Just, just kind of like get in. <laughs> I did, I did. I got up super early one morning, and, and, and it was about 5.36, and the, it was still dark out, and, and, and nobody was around, and so I you know, got anointing all of my hands, and I went over to their office, and Ah, oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, put it all over the front entrance and then went around to, through our office and then to their back door and, and smothered oil on it. Not, not so much that they were like, rrr, rrr. it wasn't like that. But I, I, I anointed it, and, and here's what I said. I said, everyone who comes into this office and goes is going to have a deposit of the Holy Spirit on them, and this office is going to close in Jesus' name. This idol is going to be t- closed, t- shut down in Jesus' name. I told the staff that morning, I said, okay, I've anointed those doors. That's weird. I know. They're looking at me. Some of the people who aren't Christians going, man, this guy's weird. This guy's weird. I don't know why I work here. I said, no, we've anointed this with oil, and, uh, and, and, and that, that office is going to close in Jesus' name. Let's pray. So we prayed, we prayed, we prayed. God knows this is truth. Eight weeks later, eight weeks later, I was walking around, and there was a sign on the door. It says, Planned Parenthood of Ellis County has closed permanently. There, is no, there are no plans to reopen this office. We are sorry to inform you. I mean, I'm like, I take pictures of this, and I'm running back to the office. Look, 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 they're gone, they're gone. And then people are like, it worked. It, it, it worked. But really, what we did is we, we tore down that idol, but then there was a, an effect on our business. There's an effect on our building. Please understand, children are being murdered next door. And why don't we just take a stand for that? Well, maybe you guys aren't into that. Let's say that again. Maybe we just need to take a stand against that. Come on. Come on. Just dedicated a beautiful baby to the Lord. I believe in life. And that idol was torn down. It was gone to this day. Planned Parenthood of Ellis County does not exist. It is, does not exist. That spirit, and, and we, we addressed it, that spirit of racism must come down in Jesus' name. So, so I just want to share this with you also. Do not be afraid to be marked as a follower of God in this decaying culture. Don't let that happen. Don't be afraid of that. You know, I, I was like, I'm going to do this in front of our staff, and we're going to do this. And, and here's another little cool thing. The business no kidding, began to spike after that. I mean, it took off. That was almost like a major turning point for us where the business is boom, 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 boom. And, and it was, a, it was a probably about three months before I even told the owners about what I did. I just, you know, he, they said, you do what you want. You do what you want. I'm like, okay. So I told the owners, like, yeah, I went over there and I think we kind of like drove out of the business next door. It was a Planned Parenthood abortion clinic. You know, it's kind of gone now, but, but thank God, thank God. But then another, another thing started happening with that business. As, as the business began to really take off, uh, I would go to clients' offices, and, and sometimes I would see a person who was down. It's like, are you okay? No, it's been a dead, bad day. I said, can I pray for you? And people, 99% of the time, will say, yeah, sure, you can pray for me. I'll accept prayer, whatever. And so I'll, I was praying for him, praying for him, and talking to him, and then I'd find myself sharing the word of God with him. And, and, and I, I, I thought, well, I'm not, I don't know. I mean, it's like, that's who I am. I'm a, I'm a pastor. And then the weirdest thing is I started getting afraid that people would find out I was a pastor. I, 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 people thought I was this like really ingenious businessman, and I wasn't. I, I wasn't. I'm just just a pastor. And 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 uh, what if people find out I'm a pastor? And then what happened is people noticed that I had no fear of getting in front of people and talking. So chambers, various chambers of commerce, and we were a part of five different chambers. Every one of those chambers started having me come speak to their big monthly meetings. And so one chamber heard about, oh man, Tim gave this great speech. He's from Express and another and another and another. And God put it on my heart. Now when you get to the end of this, tell them that you're really a pastor. 
and watched their jaws drop. Boom, they did. And, and I began to share, and I, I told people at the end, I said, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm just really a pastor. I said, but we operate this business by this principle. And this is the principle that was given to me by the business owner, but I, real, I, I told, I, I've said this out in all these meetings, and it wasn't just then, I mean, I, it wasn't just chamber meetings, but I got invited to be part of, of some of the city uh, leadership programs, and I found myself in college classrooms as well, teaching business, and, and, and I was there doing that, but they didn't know I was actually preaching to them, and I would get to the end, and I said, you know what, in business, there's something called the bottom line. Now, if you understand about that in business, I mean, that's like how much money you got at the end. And I, I get that. But what I would say to my staff, what I would say to, it's like the bottom line is not the bottom line. The bottom line is people. If you love people, your own bottom line will take care of itself. And I, and I just began, I began telling that and preaching that. And uh, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have like actual altar calls or anything like that in my in my talks. But but I just began doing that, and I decided I'm not going to be afraid to be marked as a follower of God. And Gideon didn't, so I'm not going to either. Also, another thing is, don't be afraid of other people's threats. When people start threatening you, don't be afraid of that. Like verse 30, chapter six, verse 30, it says, the people of the town demanded of Joash, bring out your son. He must die because he has broken down Baal's armor, uh, uh, altar and cut down the pole beside it. Wow, I mean, here's what I saw here and I'd never seen this before. It was his dad's evil worship shrine. His dad owned it. His dad built it. It was his, his dad was an evil idolater. That's why he snuck out. That's why he's like, okay, God, I'll do this, but... And then his dad turned around. I don't know, he had some kind of an experience with God or, or whatever, but interestingly enough, he began to stand up for his son. And, and, and the truth is, God just might raise up some allies for you when you start doing the things that are right. Verse 31 says this, but Joash replied to the hostile crowd around him, are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? I mean, this is a Baal worshiper. This is an Asherah worshiper. <laughs> Come on. Whoever fights for him, Baal, shall be put to death by morning. If Baal is really good, he can defend himself when somebody breaks down his altar. Uh, what just happened to the guy? Now he is Gideon's ally. Of course, sure, he, he was his dad, but he was an idolater, and now he's not. That is some pretty strong support. Basically, what he's saying here is, here is no, 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 no. You don't understand. My son, I'm not going to bring him out so my son can be killed. You will be killed if you keep up this nonsense. So hush your mouths. And I'm telling you what, God will raise up allies for you as well. And, and the townspeople, they didn't shut their mouths, though. They, they, they decided to take it a different angle. They realized, okay, we're going to be at a war here. We don't want to do that. So they put this demeaning label on Gideon. And you continue reading the story, whenever you, you'll see sometimes his name Gideon, other times you'll see this name that was assigned to him by the townspeople. And I just want to throw this in here real quick. Do not be afraid of labels that the world puts on you. Don't be afraid of those. Verse 32, look at this. It says, so Gideon broke down Baal's altar and they gave him the name Jerob Baal that day. What does Jerob Baal mean? It means let Baal contend with him. In other words, let's just call it, let the demons from hell contend with him. That's the name they gave him. Every time they say, hey, Jerob Baal, that means, hey, dude, that the demons are gonna contend with you. They mocked him with this new label they assigned to him. See, you see, 
God had already declared, you are a mighty warrior. You're a mighty man of valor. The God, so he had this new identity. But the godless people, they had decided they were gonna counter with a different identity, and they countered with this name, Jerob Baal. Let Baal contend with him. Well, you know what? So what? Let the world call you what they're gonna call you. So bottom line is, is today, what, what fears are holding you back? What's keeping you on the sidelines? What's keeping you in this perpetual thought place of thought process of, well, what if, well, what if, well, what if, what if? Because in the face of the unknown, fear will become your companion and you'll begin to become afraid. And when you become afraid, you end up doing nothing. Like I knew when I was running that business, like I gotta do something. And I'm, there's a lot of fear around me because I don't know what I'm doing. But I, I, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do it to the very best of my ability. And I, I gotta push past the fear. I'm not gonna be afraid even though the fear is all around me. So where, what is it with you? Are you just gonna stare into this vast canyon of uncertainty and be sucked into it? I mean, the truth is some things that you're afraid of are way overblown in your mind. You are likely, most likely, you are afraid of something that has no power over you. No power over you. I appreciate the security that we have here. I'm I'm blessed that we are able to afford a police officer to be here on site. I think it's important for us. Uh, But there was a day when churches didn't do that. I think it's responsible for a church to do that today. That's why he's uniformed and he's armed. So (laughs) don't mess with us. But... uh, a long time ago, when I was five years old, my dad was pastoring in Montesino, Washington. Anybody been there before? I didn't think so, but I have. I used to live there with my dad. Montesino, Washington was, was where my dad was pastoring, and uh, I was a five-year-old kid. And this big guy, dad tells the story very, very well. I was actually asleep at the time in church. Dad put me to sleep, but... His sermon just, I was out of there drooling on the, you know, just, just. but this big guy came through the back doors, and it was a, it was a tiny church, and when they opened those back doors, you heard, and now, if you ever been in a church like that, when those doors would open, what does everyone do? They all turn around and look. Okay, who's, who's walking in the door? So, but this big old guy, dad had never seen him before, he came in, and he was carrying a double barrel shotgun. <laughs> And dad had just started the time of corporate communion. And everybody saw him. Everybody turned around and fear gripped the place. And dad said, dad said immediately, he says he felt the fear coming at him. But he says, no, I'm going to have faith because no weapon forged against me will prosper. And, and uh, you know, he had that occupy spirit. Now, I'm going to keep doing business in spite of fear. I'm going to do business. I'm going to do, do what God has called me to do. I'm going to work until Jesus returns. And if this is my last day, I'm going to keep working until Jesus returns. The guy starts walking down the aisle with his shotgun. And then he gets about halfway down the aisle. Ushers didn't stop him. I, you know, I was like, I don't know what happened there. But he goes, real loud. Where do I check in my gun? When Usher jumped and ran, ran up to him and said, Oh, I, I'm the one who checks in guns. So he, he took the gun, he checked it in, checked it in. Dad's, dad said that, that he, he continued with the communion service, the communion elements were being served, and, and he came in front of that man, and again, very loud. He, he looked at the elements, and the Usher was out there handing them out, and he goes, 
No thanks, I've already had enough of that today. I've already had some. It was a bizarre interruption. It was hilarious, but dad didn't stop communion out of fear. There was nothing really to be afraid of. That man just needed an encounter with God. I want to just ask you, what fears are holding you back? Scripture says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline, a, a sound mind. Did you see that? It says spirit of fear. Spirit of fear, that means it's a demonic spirit. It's, it's not just fear. It's, there is this, uh, you know, this wise fear, like you should have fear to run out on I-35 you know, any time of day or night. You just, you just don't do that. But this is a demonic fear. Why would you want to be subject to a demonic spirit? And you should be secure, though, knowing that there are three tools to crush fear. Power, love, and self-discipline, which also is, means a sound mind. These three things crush the spirit of fear. I want you to use them because God says this. God says, I am the Lord, your God, who takes hold of. Get this. Oh, some of you who are dealing with fear right now, I take hold of your right hand. And I say to you, do not fear. I will help you. And if God is on your side, who are you going to be afraid of? He is there to help you. Just like God helped me to occupy until the owner returned and to run a business during this massive slump to be one of the top franchises in the nation. God is there to also hold your hand when you walk through territory that you don't know where you're going. You don't know what this is going to look like. And God is there to walk you through it and to walk you out of that place. So I say to you, shalom, shalom, shalom. Do not be afraid. Joy, I just I saw you right back here. and Your dad just went to be with Jesus. Your dad was one of the most faithful attendees of our church. He would come when he was here in town, but, but he would watch us all the time online. This is, he, loved, he loved this church. I know you're walking through this. Your dad went to be with Jesus this last week, and I know there's a lot of emotion there, but he's with Christ, and you don't have to be afraid to move forward. You don't have to be afraid of what's, what's facing you out there in New Mexico this week. God is with you. God is with you. God is shalom. 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 take our fears and let's just give them to God right now. Just pray, pray with me right now. God, I, I pray that the spirit of fear will be dispelled among your people today, that we will not be afraid, but you have given us weapons to defeat fear, power, power from the Holy Spirit, love, the love of God, and a sound mind, a disciplined mind. We can think, we can process through things. You give us that, and God, we are grateful for that. I pray that fear will be dispelled in Jesus' name, and I pray that faith will rise up, that we will be people of shalom. We will be people of shalom. We will not be overcome by the world, but we will be overcomers in this world, and we will occupy until Jesus returns, and we'll do so with a diligent spirit. Do so with a diligent spirit in Jesus' name. With your heads bowed right now, if you're here this morning and you are not in right relationship with God, the promises and the things that are in God's word don't apply to you. 
And I, I don't want you to receive that. I want you to receive the, the things that God has for you. I mean, eternal life, yes, but also God's promise of shalom to you in the middle of everything that's going on in your life. If you're this morning and you're not in relationship with the Lord, you've not given your life to Jesus Christ, there's sin in your life and you know it's burdening you down, you're just tired of it, you're sick of it, here's what I want you to do. At the count of three, you're going to lift your hand so that I can see it. I'm going to be able to connect my faith with yours and then we're going to pray together. You're going to give your life to Jesus. All things will become new for you. If that's you this morning and you want to give your life to Jesus, count of three, lift your hand for me. One, two, three, lift it up. Thank you. Thank you so much. Who else? Thank you. Who else? Put your hands down. Those of you who lifted your hands, I want you to receive this in Jesus' name. Come on. Receive this in Jesus' name. Pray these words with me. In fact, church, pray them with me as well if you're online and you're praying this. Pray these words out loud with me. Church, encourage others as you, as you pray with them. Say these words. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your precious blood. Today I give up my old ways and I set my feet on a new path. I repent of my sin and I give my life to you. Let your Holy Spirit flood me. I choose today to serve you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.